Are you currently looking for a bookstore that has a great selection of books? Well, Kizzy's Books and More is that bookstore. Visit www.kizzysbooksandmore.com to purchase your next book for our book club. Use coupon code VULGARGENIUS to receive 10% off the subtotal of your first order. Pink and blue, step to the side. There's a new color in town. What Does Brown Mean to You is the debut children's book from educator Ron Grady. In this book, we meet Benny, a little boy talking about different ways the color brown is explored and celebrated throughout his life. From Benny's beautiful brown skin to the color of his grandmother's coffee, the color brown shines throughout his delightful story. Ron Grady joins us to talk about his career as a nature preschool teacher and his love for drawing brought about this much needed story. We also speak about the ways parents can be encouraged to have conversations with their little ones about race and ethnicity. Stay with us on another episode of the Brother Jesus Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Vulgar Geniuses Podcast. We are your hosts. My name is Denny. And I am Veronica. And today we have a brilliant, wonderful, amazing debut author. Uh, his name is Ron Grady. He is the author of our special feature for the month of January. You are our second interview for 2023, yes. and we are really excited to talk with you today. Uh, so here's a little information for those who might not know about our debut author today. Ron Grady is a preschool educator and researcher. He teaches at a nature preschool in New Orleans, and his art and story are inspired by the children he watches play, wonder, and explore the world each day. His website, childology.co hosts his blog and illustrated resources for educators, parents, and caregivers. He lives with his husband, Josh, and their temperamental orange cat, Thor. You can visit him on his Instagram at childology.co and at Ron Draws Things. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today, Ron? Doing awesome. So happy to be here, guys. Yeah. We are so happy and congratulations. Yes. Thank you. Wow. For the new release. it's so surreal so i am going to pass it off to my dear friend here um and she is going to take it over for a bit um so we like to ask like our guests like a couple questions so we get to know you um because you know it's not a hidden secret that you wrote the book and also drew it which is um i don't know that's a talent right there that we don't have um what is your favorite thing to draw though oh my gosh it's wow well it's so funny first off i appreciate that question i've never had anyone ask me that um i love drawing people uh, i love drawing people my favorite things especially like people's faces um mm. i don't know what it is just like you can capture so much uh so yeah i love drawing people i've always just like I keep a pen in my hand all the time. Uh, I'm holding it up so you can't see on the podcast, but like <laughs> I'm always like doodling little faces, little circles, some eyes, something like that. That's I draw those all the time. So many faces. 
yeah. Your your art definitely reflects that. Your your art in your book is beautiful. Yeah. Um, the drawings are so cute. I wish you could get like merch. You know, oh my gosh. Limited oh. edition shirts. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good shirts. idea. Make that note right here. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Talk, to, talk to the publicity team. Let them know. Hey. Hey. <laughs> yeah, my my oh, son gosh. loved because I had to, you know, I'm like the true test would be with my toddler. He he loved the drawings and he loved oh, like good. you know yes. the little people. Yes. He's like, oh, they're outside. Is yes. he outside? <laughs> you know. I'm like, yes, he's outside. I know you love outside. <laughs> um, so when you are not in nature and with the children, where yeah. can we find Ron? Oh, so Ron is probably in the uh, yoga studio. Number uh, one loves a good hot yoga. Um, also in the library. So I don't know if uh, you guys know this. I actually just started my PhD program. Um, so I am in the library a lot these days as well. So yeah, Ron's in the yoga studio in the library and maybe taking a walk just like outside to get some air, right? Like down the street, down, like past the park. Uh, those are my kind of main haunts. And then, uh, one other place you'd find Ron for sure is in the coffee shop. Um, I love a good overpriced latte, I guess. What can I say? <laughs> oh, that's your drink, drink of choice, a nice latte? That's right. That's my, you know, that's my drink of choice. That's one of them. Small hop and a latte, please. Yes, that's it. So. <laughs> yes, I, I, I cannot judge because I just got myself a cold brew mm, um, mm-hmm. maker. It oh, has changed yeah. my my life <laughs> i'm like you know it's it's keeps you going yeah um so your book has the color brown in it but what is ron's favorite color all right so i have a confession to make my favorite color is blush pink uh i love i love it i have so much blush pink Millennial pink, I, I hear it's also sometimes called, but I like to say blush pink because maybe it's not like millennial pink. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that's that's my color. Like I feel like if there was a color I was inside, it would be blush pink. Um, it's my real favorite color. So um, it's okay. a very pretty color. It's okay. <laughs> all of our insides are all blush pink. <laughs> that's true. For you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is a question from a friend. What is your first year as a teacher like? Oh, what was my, yeah, my first year. So, yeah, so my first year teaching. Um, so it was in 2016, it was my first like real full year teaching. And I started teaching at a, a school that was like based on like child-centered practices. So children get to lead the way. Uh, we are responding to uh, what children are interested in and building the curriculum around that. Uh, like the technical term is like emergent curriculum. Um, and I was paired with a, a phenomenal mentor teacher who really had just like so much expertise in the field and was so patient and so supportive. Um, so my first year teaching was awesome. Um, I feel like I really lucked out. Uh, exhausting for sure. I mean, I, I taught uh, a class of two-year-olds turning three. So anyone who has worked with or has 
have <laughs> at least one two-year-old oh, turning three my uh, knows how intense that is. So, and, you know, not everybody was potty trained. It's funny. I was actually just looking at my notes for my first year teaching today. I am not just saying this. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow, like that was uh, intense. Um, but it was great. It was such a learning curve, right? I think that it taught me how amazing children are and how much they have to offer and just really kind of, yeah, it was really kind of mind blowing. So, mm. uh, it was, it was quite an experience. I can't believe it's been that long now. Wow. Six, seven years now, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh my goodness. And you're standing strong. I, yeah. I'm still, I'm still here. I'm still here. So <laughs> I'm still, still in the field. Um, yeah. And it's, it's kind of wild though, right? Because I don't know. I feel like teaching is never something I really expected to get into. Um, my mom mm-hmm. is a teacher. My mom works with uh, young children also. Uh, she's worked with like kids from all o- over all ages. So started in like high school, did some older elementary, now works with young children. But it's just never something I expected myself to get into. Um, mm-hmm. But here I am. Yeah. Into the world of early childhood. So what does your mom think of you? going into education and, and all the things you've achieved yeah. oh well you know it's funny she I think she's just happy as long as I'm as long as I'm happy you know and I feel like that maybe is a very mom thing I don't have kids myself but I can imagine that that would be a parent thing right like you just want your child to be happy and able to move in the world in the way that feels good to them so mm-hmm. she's thrilled as long as I'm thrilled and she's like well you know if it's working for you great um yeah so she's pretty good about it and what was the last thing you learned from a kid Ooh, oh man What's the last thing I learned from the- well uh, I actually did a reading of the book today <laughs> and I don't know if this sounds like the funny this will be the funny version uh and I was drawing one of the main characters in the book yeah named Benny and I started coloring like him in with a marker and one of the kids just shouted out, he looks really creepy. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. I was like, thanks. And it's just like, uh, so I think I share that story just to say like the importance of being like honest and not taking things too seriously and just being willing to go with the flow and say what's on your mind. Like, hey, you know, that always sticks with me. And just like, I got this special like, oh, yes, this is why, right? This is what's so wonderful. What I'm always reminded of, don't take yourself too seriously. Um, because, you know, you could be doing a reading or doing that, but you're, you know, you're just a guy doing a thing. Um, and then uh, another, I guess, more like serious thing I've learned from a kid is that, you know, like a little bit goes a long way uh, when it comes to listening to children. And mm-hmm. so I was just up visiting my nephew and my niece uh, just over the new year, actually. And, you know, just really got a chance to, uh, play, like, just like play around with my nephew. Uh, he loves to play all these different like battle games where you have a shield and stuff like that. And it was just like five minutes was the most nourishing thing to him. And so Mm -hmm. just a reminder of like the importance of being present, um, as Mm -hmm. well. Right. And so, uh yeah just how valuable it is to be present to be focused and to be willing to be in the moment uh and how that sets a foundation over time for really a lifetime of relationship and understanding that hey you're an important person uh yeah 
Yeah, that means that means a lot, especially to children when they always feel like they're not being seen and always glossed over and adults got to do adults thing and they just fit you in the time frame when they need you there. But, you know, sometimes you're like you have to notice like the child is like asking you for your presence and for your time. And that means a lot. Yeah, those both of those, the honesty thing, children can be brutal. (laughs) Yes, I was I was asking Kyra today. So what do you want to ask uh, Mr. Ron? He was like, well, mommy, brown is really not my favorite color. though." (laughs) And I'm like, well, that's okay, But we're you know, we're all brown. We have all brown in us. He's like, but still, it's blue. And I'm like, okay, we'll 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 stop it right here. We'll we'll move on. We'll move on. So, um, again, I just want to say congratulations on your debut release of what does brown mean to you? Um, It dropped this past Tuesday. And we saw in your stories, as you mentioned earlier, that you had a chance to do a live reading at St. George's Episcopal School in New Orleans. What has your week looked like so far since the release? And what was the experience? What was that to experience um, to see? you know, all of these children sitting in front of you and yeah. you reading this, this book that you wrote for the very first time. Yeah, I know. Thank you for that question. Um, So, you know, it's been uh, definitely a whirlwind. I think practically speaking, I was like physically in Houston on release day, finishing up my visit with my family and came back to New Orleans. And so was sort of managing all of those things, like as I was in this big flux. Um, but you know, I guess, you know, it was, it's been amazing to see the book finally be in people's hands. And so surreal. Um, I've had a lot of friends and friends who have children who've sent me pictures of their kiddos with the books, uh, some good teacher friends who have sent pictures of them reading the books to their classrooms. And so it is just, I don't know, it's so, it's so nourishing, I think, personally, to me to see uh, this being in the hands of actual children. Um, no, early childhood is my life. I'm totally an early childhood nerd. And I spend so much time thinking about children in their lives. And uh, it just, I feel so honored to contribute to something that uh, for at least many children, I hope, will become a cultural artifact of theirs, right? So it's like, wow, this is phenomenal. Like some kid is going to remember this. And when we're like, oh, I remember it in that book. And like, it's just mm-hmm. wild to me. So it's sort of sinking in. Um and I have, uh, so I did a reading today, as you mentioned, um, and that was so awesome. So uh, St. George's is actually the school, the, the first school that I worked at. Um, ah. So I was out of undergrad and had, you know, kind of started a PhD program and finished and like, uh, you know, decided not to go that route. And so after a few months, I decided to start teaching and I came to St. George's and instantly it was a great fit. Um, And so they're always like my, you know, they're like my family, right? Um, Mm. And so it was so, it just felt so full circle, so nourishing to get to share that with them and to see the children connect uh, with the characters, with the story. And I mean, it was just, it was awesome, you know, because I've read a million children's stories to groups of children over the years, but finally to get to read my own and to share it and uh, to watch, you know, as children's eyes lit up as they got to see Benny and Benny's parents and Benny's dog and Benny's family. Um, that was so awesome. And so 
you know, looking ahead to like what the, you know, the week, I guess, like from, you know, third, I guess the 10th will look like. I have a couple more readings planned. And so I'm looking forward to those as well. Um, oh, excuse me. I'm talking so fast. I guess I'm excited. <laughs> but, um, you know, but it, it has been, honestly, it's so surreal. And I always say that this was a bucket list item for me. And so I'm so grateful that uh, it got to happen and uh, that there's still hopefully more yet, you know? So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was so awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's one. Benny, Benny needs a second book. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe Benny meets Denny on that second book because I was like Ron was so close this could have been me like this could have been me like you know this could have been my family this is it you know but I think it was really um a good fit for you because I think when you read the book as a as a parent you know that somebody that really cares a, a lot about children wrote the book Thank you. Cause Thank you. you know, cause like it, even on how you word it and how you explained oh. it's to the point that like my son was like looking at your book straight up from start to finish. Oh, so I think, you. you know, you, and you would like you, you know, we read a lot of books to him and sometimes he'll like deviate and he'll start yeah. doing other things and be like, are we still here? Are mm-hmm. we still doing, you know, are we still reading? Mm-hmm. But with that, with, with that book, he was like, oh, they're outside. Oh, there's a dog. Oh, mommy, he looks, mm-hmm. he's dirty and he went inside the house. Oh, you know, the, yes. like little things. <laughs> oh, that totally, it, you know, that totally warms my heart. And I hope I'm not cutting you off, but like it's so, you know, because that was really mm-hmm. something that I hope to do with this book. I think that so often, you know, when we adults look at children's lives, we're always trying to rush to the next thing, right? We see their lives as valuable or like what they're going to become in 10 years. And not that that's bad, right? Like we're supposed to be building them up to be uh, good adults, right? But I think it's less often, I, I think it's less, like it's happening more and more now, but still not necessarily super often that we take a look at a child's life as it is in a single day and just really sit with it and say like, everything that's happening here is meaningful and valuable. And so that's what I really wanted to do with Benny's day. Like, just like, this is your day. You know, you wake up, you're going outside, you're seeing your parents, you're having breakfast. Maybe you're going to go play a little bit. Maybe your plans shift, right? Your plans shift and change and that's okay. Now we're going to do something different. Like how many times a day do we have to, you know, work with a child to understand, Hey, things are changing now. All right. right. Get we on to this next thing. Right. And so, you know, having dinner and a little dance party. And so, uh, so it's so wonderful to hear that too. So thank you for sharing that because that's really what I was going for, just honoring, uh, I guess, the richness that is everyday life, uh, even for young children, you know? Yeah, I think his favorite part was like, oh, mommy, he has a blanket too. <laughs> connected to his stinky blanket. Don't ask. <laughs> but he was like, oh, he has a blanket. I'm like, mm-hmm, but I bet it's not stinky though. <laughs> and he's like, oh, we don't... But we don't know that because that's what I told what how I tell him. We don't know that, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I feel like uh, red, blue, pink, and purple get all of the hype mm-hmm. in children's books. Uh, but brown is that one color that gets left for like bears. Yeah, and I know yeah. that um, you want children to be able to come to their own conclusions about the theme of the book. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and and um what 
is being centered around this color, but I would like for you to expand on what this color means for you as a writer and your desire to give it the attention that it so much deserves. Yeah, absolutely. So what a wonderful question. Um, So, and I always tell people I talk with, sometimes I feel like I'm talking in circles, but I hope it's going to get back around. So if it doesn't, let me know and I'll make sure it gets to the point. Um, but I think where I start with that is like implicit associations and no, uh, under like understanding uh, the fact that throughout, you know, our lives and especially as young children, we're making a lot of associations between colors and goodness and badness. And, you know, so like at its core, I want children to make positive associations with brown and brown skin, right? Like that was the, like, you know, that is really at the core of it. Um, so that is, that is sort of like the, the centerpiece. Um, and obviously as a black boy growing up, you know, I also didn't see a whole lot of books with characters that looked like me, um, Mm -hmm. in it. And so I wanted to make sure that that was, uh, I guess that was important to me to include in the book as well. Um, and then, uh, and I I hope I'm getting out the question, but then one thing that was also important to me though, was to center it in a way that where the family in here, right? Like all the family has brown skin tones and brown is this color, but it's just like everywhere. It's also a part of just the world as it is, right? And it can be celebrated, it can be good. And it also is just there um, in the middle of all of these other intersecting and overlapping narratives. Like there is this beautiful brown, these beautiful hues of brown. Um, and so, um, in some ways, I, I guess I imagine it's like a little bit of like intersectional lens as well, if that makes any sense. Um, you know, there's like all of these different things that you engage with in different ways. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if that begins to answer the question, um, but I really wanted to, yeah, center that here and to celebrate that. And uh, yeah, I thought it would be, I thought it would be a really, I don't know, I at least hope that it continues to be received as well as it seems to have been received by the people I've talked with so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, when, you know, clearly, like you said, like, you know, brown skin hasn't been reflected in a lot of children's book. Well, right. at least I was growing up. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, there's more diversity and it's more supported and mm-hmm. there's more effort. I, you know, I was being honest with you, like when I, when I told you, like, you know, I recognize the self-love and self-acceptance yeah. kind of part of it you know, their reflection, but then, you know, sometimes maybe when I would get to read it again, just like, you know, brown is just there. It's mm-hmm. it's everywhere. Like yeah. I think that that is the part that even as an adult, I kind of like failed to even see when mm-hmm. I first read the book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, it's just there. It's neither, you know, it's it's like um like almost omnipotent omnipresent yeah. in, in nature. Yeah. And like just it exists, just yeah. exists. And it's okay. Mm-hmm. for it to be like that you know it doesn't always have to be something more than just you know oh it has to be like be bad or good mm-hmm. sometimes it's just exists mm-hmm. and that I think and that's that's the thing that I've you know I I missed the first time I read it mm-hmm. and then, then the more that I you know was kind of like oh yeah it, it he's just making us see that we are everywhere kind mm-hmm. of yeah kind of, kind yeah. of deal absolutely know? absolutely no that's so well said yeah. yeah, so you wrote the book and provided the illustrations. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us like this process of like being an educator and like also that somebody that loves to draw and how all of these things come together for the book? Yeah, I think that 
Well, you know, in 2020, uh, when we were having, uh, when I guess the first big wave of conversations around, uh, you know, racial reckoning in the United States were going on, and also in the middle of the pandemic, had a lot of time to think uh, about what it would mean to have these conversations, conversations about race, conversations about identity and skin tone uh, with children um, and in ways that would be uh, accessible to children while also acknowledging the realities that they do notice differences in skin tone and skin color. Um, but also similarly, similarly, as you said, like, you know, the fact that they, while they notice these things, Yes, they bring their biases and ideas, but they also don't bring nearly the weightiness that we as adults bring to these constructs, right, and to these ideas. And so uh, I wanted to, I was just wrestling, right? Like, what do I do? How do I bring this up? And uh, especially in the context that I was working in. So um, at that time, I was working in a context that wasn't very diverse. It was a lot of actually white children um, in it. And so I was like, okay, like, how do we like how do we talk about this and we wrestle with this in a way that is going to like both like make sense and bring parents and families in um and also like honor the beauty and goodness of the children of color in my care and also honor my own identity as a man of color right so like where like how do all of these like intersect um and so then i started i just you know I was like, well, what is brown? Like that was like, I was sitting at my kitchen table one day and I was like, what is brown? And I, and I started thinking about all the good things it was, right? Like all the awesome things it was, all of the, like the, you know, the warmth, the sweet things, like, right. So like, what is, what is it? And uh, then I just kind of started drawing. It was one of those late nights. Uh, I had a, a little iPad at the table and my husband had gone to sleep and I was just up thinking about this and I just started doodling away. Uh, and came up with some pages and that's kind of like where it was born it was a, a very very different version uh very very rough I look back on them now and laugh <laughs> um but that's really kind of like the birth of it you know I guess and um I think it was just sort of uh like yeah I just felt you know free to try it and I think when I first put the the very 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 first like seedling together um, it was uh, what I guess helped me get through a lot of my own anxieties about my own artistic abilities or whatever was that uh, I just knew that I was just making it for my kids in that moment, right? And I knew that they were going to be receptive uh, and that children are generally so accepting, right? So it's like, okay, well, I'll share it with them and we'll see what they think, right? And we'll see uh, what happens. And so it kind of grew from there. But yeah, just sort of that, like, I guess so you know, really that reflective stance and uh, just sort of that, like really that time to think and also wondering like, how do I communicate this to the community uh, like that I'm in, to my community of children? Um, yeah, in a way that will resonate, right? And so mm -hmm. that's just where it started. Um, I hope that answers the question a little bit. Um, yes, absolutely. Because I think I always still um authors or creators that do stuff for children that it I think it's the hardest thing to do because mm -hmm. as adults we can process stuff on our own like if we read a book or something if we consume something a, a, a form of media we don't you know the creator doesn't have to necessarily explain stuff to us it's kind of mm -hmm. like our responsibility to dig deeper but if you do it for children I think it's a little bit different because 
it's kind of like you have to be like not really in their face but something that would they understand they'd be interested and after that they can be like oh there's like you know some sort of lesson in their head that you can impart absolutely yeah and i think that's the hardest thing to do so i think your book definitely did all those three for me as a parent and somebody that reads a lot of children's books like we read to cairo every day maybe like twice three times a day like two to three books every time so he consumes a lot of books so for me to be like when I first saw the picture I'm like oh Kyra would like this Mm -hmm. just like from the illustration the title it's like very catchy like a parent Mm -hmm. would want to read it like how you like put the rhymes in it and how the story flows you know it's simple but sometimes it's the most simplest things that make sense to kids. It doesn't totally. have to have all the, all the, the w- bells and whistles. Yeah. Totally, totally. No, I think you'll agree on that. And the rhyme too was just, uh, it was something I really, I, I remember going back and forth with my editor about like, does it rhyme? Do we not rhyme? Do we not rhyme? Do we not rhyme? So it's nice to hear that that resonates as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it was cute. Cause you know, like, <laughs> I, and I think like, he he would remember like you know repetition children remember mm-hmm. more like you probably know more about that because this is your like field like early education totally. so I'm sure like it's very intentional and as a reader as a consumer like you can feel it oh well, thank you yes no I you know I just yeah it's it's again a joy to hear and yeah just wanted it to rhyme also wanted it to be simple and kind of like we mentioned again just wanted it to be like accessible to children like something that children would like to re-encounter like mm-hmm. again and again and see their lives reflected in uh and over the course of time to it because i think they're also it's often like you know like i like there isn't like i think like too much text in the book right um and so i i, I feel like it's open-ended enough where mm-hmm. like a child could see themselves in it from like anywhere from two like six or seven like these are what your days are like right uh you know and so it's something that I hope can grow with children and as their understanding grows and by hearing you talk about that and how again it has this sort of like quality it reminds me at the readings today I did a reading for us and two-year-olds and then all the way up to kindergarten and so there was a little girl in the twos who was like oh mama daddy uh, puppy you know and she came at it from that angle right and then I had a kindergartner who was like huh like why do all the characters have brown skin and so it was like this just like the range right a possibility within the text and uh, really I think bespeaks the re- to the re- like I guess speaks to the reality that children do interpret these visual texts in so many different ways and that uh, yeah so I hope that it can be open and accessible on, on all those levels because they're all valid and all important. Mm-hmm. How did you get into art? Huh, yeah. Well, I I always love to draw. Um, it's just been something I've done since I was like a really little kid. Like, I remember, so like, you know, when I was a young kid, uh, like we went to church when I was younger and I like don't, really remember all of like what was said but I remember being a little kid like kneeling on the floor like with the pew as like my desk and like taking whatever programs were there <laughs> and using my mom's pens to draw stories like I could do not 
And so like that, those are the earliest memories I have of drawing them. I was probably like four or five. Um, and, you know, if I had to credit like a person with inspiring me to draw, that would be my sister. So I have an older sister. Uh, she and I have like kind of an age gap. She's like 12 and a half years older. Um, but she was always so creative. And uh, I just always loved like everything that she did. Like she was my idol. She still is one of my favorite people in the whole world. Um, and so like she drew, so I drew, right? Like I was doing anything she was doing, I was doing, right? So, you know, she was always drawing, always creating something, always doing that. So I was like, yeah, I've known that too. So I always had sketchbooks alongside hers. I remember drawing, like, um, she used to draw, draw these little flowers and stuff like that. And so I remember I was so fascinated with those. So I always tried to draw them too. She used to draw all of these, like, you know, she drew, again, she drew people a lot. Uh, and all these like you know beautiful ladies and so I was like okay well I'm gonna draw those too is what I want to draw so <laughs> that's kind of the where it started and then you know it's funny because I, I so appreciate this question because it reminds me of like how all the different people throughout my life who have nurtured that in me and um that's kind of where it started though you know yeah the origin story yeah that's it <laughs> yeah so you you were talking about a little girl earlier i mean a, a two-year-old that asked you about like you know like um identified people mm-hmm. in your book was that intentional that you had a multi-generational family in your book totally totally um absolutely i think it is something that is important to see um especially in communities of color I think very often, like, grandparents are a huge part of your life. And, you know, so I wanted to depict that. I thought it was important to have them all just living together harmoniously and um, really forming a community of care and love around this child, right? And, um, excuse me, guys. Tis the season, I guess, for a little cough. Um, But... You know, uh, just, yeah, having, like, them all together felt felt super important to me. Um, and, again, it takes a village, right? And I know it's trite, but it's trite for a reason because there's so many people within the life, even of a family, right, like that contribute to the well-being and growth of a child. Um, and in this book, uh, you know, everyone kind of does a different thing with Benny, right? Like, not everyone's doing everything with Benny. They're all sort of, like, doing the things that at least in my mind I like to think come more most naturally to them right like I love to think that grandpa loves to read a story and you know that dad loves to make breakfast and you know that Graham loves to sit and read her news and but also say good morning right like all of these things that they bring these unique beauties to his life uh that sort of like you know allow him to bring his own unique energy to theirs um and yeah, and it's weird because I, I guess I wasn't close to my grandparents growing up. Um, but it is something that like was just really important for me to put in this and seeing my mom now as a grandma as well. Uh, it's so wonderful. So, you know, she's really close with, again, my nieces and my nephews and stuff like that. So it's great. Um, yeah, it's really important. So let me ask you, what are the type of conversations that you would encourage parents to have about uh, like uh, teaching their little ones about race and ethnicity that will help them facilitate a love for their skin yeah, uh, in a yeah. world that fights so hard to make it seem less than. Yeah, absolutely. That's a wonderful question. I think the first thing is to uh, declare it beautiful and explicitly. And 
you know, it's, it's so interesting because in some ways I feel like this book, like, like I, I like to say it does that, but it doesn't do it like on every page. It's not saying that explicitly. Right. But I think that's sort of the underlying message. And I think that especially in a world where uh, brown skin, black skin, dark skin, right, is made to be viewed as less than, it's important that we explicitly counteract that, right? Like you have to build that up for children. You have to be explicit about it because uh, they're going to be getting implicit and explicit messages that, uh, again, like you said, that their skin color is less than, right? So don't be afraid to say it is explicitly beautiful. Um, I also think depicting uh, characters with brown skin uh, in a variety of roles and narratives is important as well, right? Like not just having it be a part of like the very special book, right? Uh, but just to have it be kind of just everywhere to give them a diversity of narratives uh, with characters that look like them. Um, excuse me. Um, I think that is also so, so important. I also think it's valuable uh, to not be afraid to talk about it and don't bring your own anxieties to the conversation. Recognize that, you know, children will have their own, like children will have many questions and um, will have their own wonderings, but don't, don't be afraid to engage it and don't be afraid to say, you know, to take a pause right? and say like, huh, I don't know about this, or this is something I want to think about how to say, or I'm not, you know, I want to think about how to share this with you in a better way. Um, and I'm going to think about that and we're going to come back to this, right? Like, don't feel like you have to have it all at once. I think very often we feel like we need to have all the answers, especially on issues that are as broad as these. And the truth is that uh, we don't uh, because our conversation, our understanding is constantly evolving. And that is the nature of inquiry itself, right? And learning and unlearning and constructing and deconstructing, right? So it's this constant process of flux. And so we just really uh, have to lean into it. Um, and let's see, there's, I feel like those are my three main ones. I also would encourage uh, parents so, and families and those supporting and working with children to uh, mention skin color as well. Um, just so that like, you know, yeah, like, oh yeah. That person has like dark brown skin. This person has light brown skin. That person has peachy skin. Like, however, you know, mention it. Uh, talk about it. Talk about it. That's so important. And something that, again, we don't often do. And then if we do, we do it disparagingly, unfortunately, and even within, you know, so it's like talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. It's there. Kids are noticing it. Um, and we do them a disservice if we pretend like we're not noticing it and it's not there. Right. So. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, I was just like taking notes in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I need to do this. Like, this, <laughs> this is a legit professional that's telling me to do this. You know? <laughs> that's why I was like, I was kind of lost in that moment because I'm like, yeah, like Cairo does notice. Like, you know, yeah. we, like, we would always say, kind of like, oh, look, mom, like, mommy, why do you have like little freckles on your skin? Mm -hmm. Or like, mommy, why does Auntie have like stuff in her face? And I'm like, well, because it's moles and this and that, you know, yeah. so I'm sure like, because to them, it's just like, I'm just curious. I wanted yes, to know. I wanted totally. to learn. Totally. Yeah. So speaking of nature, um, it's very interesting to me what you're doing, like with a nature preschool. 
I wish like, you know, I would have an opportunity to have like Cairo do do that. Yeah. But um, what do, what is it about playing in nature that allows, you know, for you that allows the child to maximize their learning? Oh, what a wonderful question. Um, gosh, so many things. I think that in, gosh, I could go a million different directions. I'm going to pick one for now and maybe me and into another. But I think the natural world is simultaneously like grounding in a way. I don't know if that makes any sense. It's very grounding. Um, it is, I think on a, just on a purely practical level though, like as far as like things like noise goes, as volume level goes, um, those things like a shout in the forest or a big cry in the forest or just, you know, being loud in the forest is very different than like when all the noise is bouncing off the of four walls. Um, so that in and of itself contributes to a lot less, uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is a lot less tension between um, within the classroom environment, right? I think that very often um, within traditional classrooms and the four wall classrooms, again, I know they are wonderful. I've taught in many of those as well, um, you know, um, but I think being in nature, it's just like the world is just so big and so wide. Uh, it's, you know, there's space. Um, I think there's like always enough to go around, if that makes any sense as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's, you know, there's enough sticks and leaves for everybody. Uh, mm -hmm. This tree is big enough, theoretically, right? There's some trees that can hold us all in different places, right? Um, and so just having that like far less scarcity uh, is really wonderful. Um, and there's so many different things in nature too, right? Like you might be someone who's interested in plant life. You might be a child that's interested in little bugs and insects. You might be a child who's really into clouds or or just like, you know, watching the berries grow or playing in a big open field, but it's all there and it's all accessible to you um, right away. And so I think that is so, so special. I mean, I think it also does this wonderful thing of, it just builds your relationship with, nature generally speaking um and i think that in and of itself um is so beneficial and then i guess when i think about maximizing potential um i think that you know nature-based education at least as i've experienced it so far in my own you know my own work uh like the things that you're doing i don't know there's just this direct connection with like tangible reality that's so beneficial for young children um yeah, so I'm watching this water go down the chute, like as I'm making the chute itself, as it's raining, like all these things, like my process, the process of the natural world and my impact on the environment are all this like, you know, they're all this kind of like synthesis, right? Um, which I think is really, or at least I've experienced in the children I work with is really uh, just super engaging. Um, yeah. And I bet it's super fun. Oh yeah. Like I think oh, as yeah. a child, like I would, I would yes. like, even as an adult, I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. You know, if I had like more time, probably I would want like, you know, all children, you know, to be in that space. Yeah. It made me, as you were talking, it made me go back to my elementary school days mm -hmm. of like sitting underneath the jungle gym with my friend and like yes. digging in the dirt and making like these heart cakes mm -hmm. you know like 
uh, playing in the dirt, playing with roly polies, taking pine needles and making bracelets out of them. And it's like, oh man, yeah, being in nature as a kid is is a lot of fun. You get to play in the dirt as long as you don't get in trouble for getting dirty. But yeah, like, you know, having those moments of like, yes, I did all of that as a kid. And last year um, for Lent, I I was like, okay, I want to take these 40 days and just really focus on what it is to reconnect myself to play. And like, you know, going outside with Cairo and blowing bubbles and, and, you know, playing hopscotch and doing games like that for those 40 days of like, what is it to get back in center with the child self? And I think, you know, like not only would children benefit from playing in the nature, like, or just learning about life, but adults as well and being a part of a part of that journey along with them definitely will you know engage you into these conversations that you probably didn't think that you would have inside of you to to investigate with with your child right yes totally totally I I love and I love that you touched on play and fun too right like it is really really fun to Mm -hmm. be out there and to just like Oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, there are days when I'm like, oh, I'm having a great time. This is awesome. Um, <laughs> I'm just like walking outside, you know, like like putting your hand, it sounds so weird, but like putting your hand on the bark of a tree. Oh my gosh. So like exhilarating, so exciting, climbing a little bit of a tree. Like it's so it's awesome. So um yeah, yes to all of that as well. Uh, yeah, I think great. like fun for children, but also like very humbling for adults. Because mm-hmm. like, you know, sometimes we think we are it. And then like yeah. we go out to nature and we're like, nope, you are not it. <laughs> you you are part of yeah. the, this like little literally ecosystem that makes this world go round. Mm-hmm. And like, you have to take care of me or else like you yeah. would not be here without me. So I don't know. I think it's just really a special thing because I like being grounded. I, I, you know, I, I have a lot of earth in me, I think. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate, you know, like all this, the work that you do, like with the, with the nature preschool. And I'm like, one day, one day, Cairo. <laughs> one day we're gonna we're gonna do we're gonna do it we're gonna yes. do it more you know and um teacher mommy style <laughs> as, as he calls me oh, um yes. um why is journaling and documenting an important aspect in your like you've mentioned in the social emotional development of children while yeah. they're in play sure sure that's a wonderful thing um i think that into that i would say that it helps, I guess, two things. It helps uh, the adults working with young children to recognize the richness of what's unfolding. Um, I think very often, you know, it can be hard, right? Like there's a lot going on, especially as like a teacher or even a parent, right? Like you have a million things that you're doing or thinking about even as you're playing or working with this child, right? And so taking that time to document gives you uh, something to go back to and say like oh wow like let's look at this moment like really really look at this moment um and see like what was happening here that can inspire you can inspire you to take a closer look in the future and also kind of give you if done consistently a sort of this I guess timeline of how your child or how the children in your care are developing um, so I think that's really important it kind of gives you this 
chronicle and baseline. And I think it also shows, especially when an adult is documenting or journaling about uh, something that a child is doing in play, uh, it shows the child that that is uh, important. And I think children know that their play is important already, but uh, children also look to us to tell them and show them and model and reinforce for them what is valuable and holds meaning. And so we show children that this thing uh, holds meaning, right? Like, I think there's this, I forget who it was, and I'm sorry, I don't remember your name, who mentioned how uh, often like the, you know, holding a pen and paper and writing something down, uh, especially to children is a sign of like, oh, you're doing something that is like really important. This is grown up work, right? And so even just to like, you know, when a child is talking, you're like, oh, I'm going to write that down or, oh, they're playing. You're like, oh, I'm just taking notes and noticing what you're doing. Like, oh, wow, I must be doing something really important. Um, and then when you bring in like digital aspects of documentation as well, right? If you take photography, for example, and then, uh, you know, it gives, it allows you to take that back to children and allow them to reflect on their own experiences. And so that is another level that is so, so, so valuable, right? Uh, so really everyone gets to come together and reflect on this experience and say, this is what's going well. This is what went well here. This is where we're growing and where we're going to grow and what we're going to work on. Um, and also opens up the space, um, especially visual and digital documentation. It opens up the space for children to articulate their own goals and um, offer potentially different insights as well, right? So we, like you said, we're not always it. We don't always get exactly what was going on there. We can't always capture the nuance that is in that situation. And so when we have this documentation, this journal, yes, we have a chronicle of what we were thinking and what the children were doing and maybe what they were saying, um, but maybe in time, like the children have a different idea about what this meant. Maybe that meaning shifts over time as the children grow and they're able to uh, reinterpret and filter that. So, you know, it's it's just nice to have something tangible and also to train yourself to take a close eye to, again, the beauty of the everyday, right? Um, right. And little moments. Yeah, and I think also maybe that's why children like to display their art. Totally. And like, like, to sh like to show um, adults or whomever is willing to listen, like... Yeah look at this this is what I've done because this is a reflection of like I'm also thinking about the stuff yeah. that I need you know that I need to improve on that is stuff that I like with my drawing or whatever it is mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. they they display it all of it that's so interesting because it also allows like whomever is taking care of the child parent you know caregiver yeah. teacher to be like I like you said earlier just reiterating being present in that mm -hmm. situation and really like analyzing what can be done more for that child mm -hmm. so um i have we have one more question and okay. well, actually two more questions and then we'll be done with our interview okay um so learning has evolved a lot in these like last you know, 200 years in the mm -hmm. u.s when you're talking about education and so as you look at where we are currently and what is held as important in the classroom what is your vision for yourself as a teacher that you hope you would be able to bring into the classroom that you feel is necessary to the growth and the development of of our little ones yeah um you know off the bat I'm thinking that it is a disposition of listening um and I think I've sort of touched on it before um but I 
I think that we need to listen to children um, and and learn how to listen to children, right? To understand that they are communicating with us through so many uh, through so many different ways, right? They're not just using words. So I think that um, there's this concept in like the it's called the Reggio Emilia philosophy, um, and it's called the hundred languages of children and the idea that children encounter and engage with the world through play, song, uh, dance, movement, through using clay, through uh, creating art, through paints, things like that, right? And so I think when we can really learn to listen to children through all of these, I think that's what's needed. Um, children are so knowledgeable, they're so creative, they're so intuitive, uh, they're inventive. Um, they don't have everything, of course, no one does, right? Because they're human, just like us. Um, but really listening, listening, listening to children and trusting, trusting them. Uh, so yeah, that listening, that trust is what I think is so vital um, and needs to be rewoven into the way that we conceptualize our early education and maybe one day all education, uh, all these through. Yeah. So we are at the part of the conversation that is always my my absolute favorite is <laughs> we would like to know your top five favorite books of all time. Oh, that could wow. be a combination of, you know, like, you know, books that you felt like were influential for you growing up or as mm -hmm. a teacher. Or you could also do your top five favorite books that you are excited about. Uh, that Whoa. you use in the classroom or that you know that maybe you have an inside track of what is coming down the road from your publishing <laughs> company or whatever yeah, yeah. you it can be whatever your whatever you feel whatever your your top five are however oh, that five comes up <laughs> gosh okay well oh wow this is really hard i'm gonna i think i'm gonna like limit myself to children's books for now okay okay well okay. oh well i'll start off with one actually that's on a children's book uh one is called oh this is so hard uh, <laughs> welcome to our world <laughs> and, and we're not rushing you take your time no, if you have no. to sit and think in it no let me think let me think <laughs> there's so many good books um well i'm gonna just go with the ones that i'm feeling are super influential to me right now so there's this one book called uh the mosaic approach mm. by a woman named allison clark and it is a it's a book for teachers uh, but in it she sort of outlines the different ways that she gains all of these like preschoolers perspectives on their experiences within early childhood spaces and she uses it uh, in this book to help inform the people who are you know working to create and improve the space like she brings in the children's voices um, and uh, that book was just like mind-blowing to me she uses so many awesome methods she talks to the children she talks to their parents she has the children take photos she lets them take her on tours it's it's phenomenal and it's not a insanely long read so uh, the mosaic approach is definitely something that's foundational i think to uh to my own practice and the way that i think about uh children and childhood for sure um Another favorite book uh, I'm thinking about now, children's books. Um, there's a book by a woman named Phoebe Wall uh, called Little Witch Hazel. Uh, it's so good. <laughs> it's so good. 
it's just like a little witch and it goes through all the different seasons there's like a winter uh spring summer fall and oh my gosh it is uh adorable walls like it, she's uh, another author she's wonderful it's a beautiful beautiful book um another favorite children's book is called home by a woman named carson ellis and it looks at all these different homes and just every page I turn, I feel cozy and intrigued and fascinated. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I guess what am I at? Three right now. <laughs> um, and then let's see, other books that have been seriously influential for me. Hmm, um, oh, I will say uh, there is one that is called um, well, I'll say any book by a woman named Susan Stacy. Uh, so she is an educator. This is actually an educator book now, but she does a lot of work on documenting children's learning and on emergent curriculum. And uh, her books just have this air of like respect and care and focus on young children. Again, that is just utterly foundational to the work that I do and the way that I uh, understand children and childhood. Um, so, okay, I guess that is a four. <laughs> one more. <laughs> so we got one more. Let's see. What would be another one that has been just super, super influential to me? Oh, this is going to be, yeah, I guess it'll be another educator book, weirdly enough. Um, it is called They Don't Like Me, and it is by uh, a woman named Jane Catch. And she works with uh, young children to understand uh, their, like, you know, their, like, violent play, uh, basically. And she, again, takes this very close-up stance. She considers what she sees unfolding. She talks, has real conversations with the children about their daily lives and uh, considers this, you know, over years and really paints this beautiful, interesting a uh, challenging, nuanced picture of what it means to engage in this sort of play. Um, and, you know, I'll let you come to your own conclusions about what she says and what she says, but I, I, it's a fa- another fascinating, interesting read. And so I guess there's a theme there of like really looking closely at children's lives and thinking about the, the rich meaning that is held and the things that are often overlooked by adults. Um, yeah, so those are those are just a few of the five. Wow. <laughs> you know, it it's not set in stone. It might change tomorrow. Great. You know, That's so great. you gotta check back at Ron, make sure it's still the same five. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming onto the show, um, for talking to us about this beautiful book and about the work that you do as an educator. Um, I know that especially since the pandemic has started, it has caused a lot of problems within the school and it's made things difficult. And you all have had to be extremely creative on how you were going to be able to educate the children during this particular peculiar time that we're in. Um, But I just want to, you know, encourage you and just say thank you so much for being able to, you know, um, share this space with us this evening to talk about the work that you have done and the book that you have created. It means so much to us to be able to have this conversation today, you know, is, um, 
been really important to us to make sure that we bring children into these conversations that we're mm -hmm. talking about when we're talking about literature. Because um, I know normally we tend to focus on the adults and the YA, but to bring the yeah. little ones in and to show the importance of the books that they will be being fed on yeah. a regular basis of what that means to a child to a child and those things that they remember when they grow up and become adults those books that really affect them and I know that your book will be one especially to all those children that you read to today mm -hmm. so again just thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us this evening we we wish you much luck soon you you oh, won't be you. mr grady anymore you'll be dr <laughs> grady yes which is wonderful we cannot oh, wait to see you. that change for you and and where you're going to go from from here on out yeah thank like you. for me just like as a parent when i had my child i was very um intentional in picking books for for us to take home because, you know, you, you got to you got to preach what you say. Right. Yeah. You got to do yeah. you got to do what you're talking about. So I would come home and search the library. And Veronica knows this. I'd be like in the library looking for books just so we we can see ourselves reflected yeah. in those books because I did not have that growing up. Mm -hmm. So for for, you know, for this book to be part of like Kairos books to be like, oh, yeah, yeah. you know. I've had that since I was three. It's kind of like special because it it's a certain like experience to remember those things when you're when you're older, yeah. you know, like for him to not have that experience of like, yeah, I really don't know what, you know, what it feels like to be in a page of a book. He won't have that anymore. Yeah. He won't have that. And and that to me is like you, you know, you've done to me like that's that's the work. Cool. you you you've come across you. like you know you you're part of like this child's life now thank you that's so, wonderful to hear thank you yes so i i want cool. benny sequel though <laughs> that's what i really want i say all that to say we need we need more books we need series we need television shows we yeah. need movies yeah. let's go yeah. yes that's right. That's right. Oh, under that. that resources tab you know i'll be printing all the things so just so you know i'm like oh my goodness why did i not know about this so many things oh my gosh yeah. oh, thank you guys well it's been so fun to speak with you guys are awesome and thank you for just all the work that you guys are doing as well it's amazing and so needed we hope you enjoyed our show our show has been produced and edited by preston long make sure to like comment and subscribe to our podcast our theme song you've been nodding your head to is by sean kantrowitz you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Dammit. That's S-E-A-N-D-A-M-M-I-T. Follow us on Instagram at The Vulgar Geniuses. Bye! Bye.